This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is a Vault Studios production. This show contains adult subject matter and is meant for mature audiences only. I'm Brendan Keefe. And this is The Officer's Wife, Chapter 3. It's early in the morning of April 15th, 2016. Jessica Boynton is in critical condition at Atlanta Medical Center after she was found hours earlier in a locked closet of her apartment with an apparent gunshot wound to her head. Her husband, Griffin Police Officer Matthew Boynton, is now at the police station where the Georgia Bureau of Investigation has been called in to investigate what happened. See, today's date is uh, it's Friday, April 15th, 2016, times approximately 4.18 a.m. Uh, this is Assistant Special Agent Charge, Chris Marco. They know that Matthew got a text from his wife after midnight saying she'd been thinking about suicide. They know that Matthew rushed home and says he heard gunshots coming from his apartment. Jessica was found unresponsive, bleeding from a wound to her head. Matthew's service weapon is found underneath her body. There are two bullet holes in nearby walls. And while paramedics seem to think a bullet entered her skull, there's no sign of an exit wound. From what they can tell at this stage, it appears at least one of the shots was fired at a downward angle toward the top of Jessica's head. I just want to preface it by saying, you know, this is a criminal investigation, obviously. That's why we requested to come in um, and, you know, the interview is strictly voluntary. If you want to talk to me, that's totally up to you. Everything okay. okay. I mean, that's fine. I just want to get that. I just want to preface the interview by, by letting you know that. As DeMarco begins questioning Matthew about the events of the night, Matthew quickly opens up talking about his relationship to Jessica and the state of the marriage. I'm sure as you've heard, I'm getting a divorce. I, I was. No, I hadn't. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. We're um, supposed to be getting a divorce. How long you how long have you guys been married? Well we've been together uh, a little over four years. Okay. Um, we've been married since October. Okay, so we've been together four years, married since October. Yes. Four years. And there's your high school sweetheart. Yes, sir. And now uh, so you said you and Jessica are when did you guys decide you were gonna get a divorce? Um, well it's a long long story, if you don't mind. Uh no, go ahead. We we had our first child. And we had an incident after he was born where uh, she was keeping me from being able to leave to go to my granddad's because uh, there's an argument. I said, look, please, you know, quit aggravating me. I just want to go next door. Mm-hmm. That way I can cool off. My, I, I ran to my granddad's because I told her, I said, look, let me go get some shoes real quick. So she thought I was going to the bedroom to go get shoes. So she took off that way, and that was when I could run out the door. So I had to run out the back door and jump the fence. and. That's when I ran to my granddad for help. How come she didn't want you to leave? I, I don't remember. Okay. So you go to your grand granddad's house? Mm-hmm. Right next door. Okay. And this is the sheriff's house? or Okay. So you go to the sheriff's house. The The police report you filed about that, what was what did you file about that? 
Um, was, I don't I don't remember everything that took place. I think I want to say that Sergeant Fanal labeled it a simple battery mm-hmm. on her, uh, but she was not arrested. Okay, it was before you guys got married. Yes, it was way before we got married. Yes. Okay. Because we had actually broken up after uh, after that. So you so you filed a police report, and you think Sergeant Fanal might have wrote it up as simple battery. I, I want to say that he did. But she was not arrested. Yeah, she was not arrested. Okay. Uh, but I, I believe that's what he did. As a police officer, Matthew Boynton didn't seem to hesitate to call police when things happened at his own home, when he says Jessica lashed out with words and sometimes physically. He goes on to tell another story, this time the one about Jessica's affair years earlier, how she went on her own to look at a wedding venue and ended up having car trouble. How someone stopped and offered help and then ended up in bed together. So who is, who is this guy? I don't remember his name. Uh, I, I don't. But eventually, over time, you know, I, I kept asking her about it and she finally told me. She said, yeah, I had an affair. And I talked to the guy and it's like, look, man, you know, can you just be honest with me? Did y'all, did y'all have sex? And he said, yeah, we did. I said, well, look, I just want to let you know she's pregnant. He said, oh, I know that baby's mine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I, I was in love with her. You know, that didn't matter to me. You know, I was young, and I still wanted to take care of her. So we, we had separated, and then I let her back in the house. And, you know, eventually she had the baby. And, um, you know, here recently she did confirm that the second baby's not mine, which I, I knew that. DeMarco is beginning to get this picture of a complicated relationship. The calls to police, a second child who appears not to be Matthews. He digs in. Now, now um, on the birth certificate, what does she have? What do they have I, as a father? I signed this. You signed, signed the birth certificate? Okay. He's got, he's got my last name. Okay, but um, that's what she told you. But, I mean, is any blood test or anything confirmed that, that or is this? I was going to do that soon because, like I said, we're getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, she had told me here recently within the past couple of days, hey, Tyler's not yours. Because that would, that had come up because we're, we're discussing, you know, whether or not to have a uh, uncontested divorce or go to court. Uh, that's one of the conversations we had today, too. Matthew says today, meaning the day before, when everything seemed to finally unravel. But when DeMarco asks if there were other incidents, Matthew offers up more details. Are there any other incidents that over your four years that you were together, or was those kind of the two major ones? Those were the major ones, and then here and there, you know, it's it's just, you know, small arguments or, you know, for a while, off and on for a while, we would be good. We wouldn't argue or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a few times that she has hit me, and I would tell my granddad about it because I wouldn't know who else to tell. I don't don't want her to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. I, I never want her to go to jail. Because I love her, that's my wife, Mm -hmm. or at the time, my fiance. So I would call my granddad and say, you know, what do I do? And I I would just take it, go outside, you know, do whatever. So she would would get physical every once in a while and slap you or something like that? Yes. Hit you, punch you, or just slap you? It's always my right arm and my left cheek and my face. And she would hit you? Mm -hmm. But typically it was usually my arm. I, I think I can only recall once that she had hit me in the cheek. So mostly it was your arm? Yeah. Okay. A punch or a slap? Is that what? Oh. It's always, uh, it's usually a punch. All right. Now, any of those incidents when she did slap you, besides the one with Sergeant Fernal, did you ever, you just called your grand, you just called I your called granddad, granddad and just time. asked him, hey, what do I do here? And what, what would he tell you? Just 
leave or? He, he, the main thing that me and him used to do is work out. Um, most of the time I, I tried to work out, whether it's just push-ups or going to the gym, just one of those things. Okay. So. But he, he always told me just try to stay calm and don't, don't say nothing. Just let, just let, it, let it go. I, I never wanted to get her in trouble. Right. I loved her. Despite the ups and downs, despite the baby born outside the relationship, despite everything, Matthew and Jessica decide to keep the wedding date. But Matthew tells DeMarco that things didn't improve between him and Jessica. Every, pretty much every day up until that point, she would yell at me and she would yell at the kids and cuss at them. And I would beg her, Jessica, please, we have neighbors, don't cuss at them, please don't cuss at me. Mm-hmm. Like, effing quit, or what the F are you doing? You know, just different stuff like that. And I would beg her, and like, Jessica, please. Because, you know, I was in law enforcement too, so Jessica, please, we have neighbors, please don't do that. And she would, I mean, it was almost a daily thing. Mm-hmm. Finally, it was too much. Matthew says he brought up divorce. So you initiated telling her you wanted a divorce, mm-hmm. or? And what did she say when you asked her about wanting a divorce? Did she? Well, it, it started out with her behavior. I've I've been wanting one for a path for a couple months now because she would come randomly wake me up and start yelling at me and you know again with the kids, you know, in between working here, you know, with the stress and then coming home, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be like, why the f did you leave this effing milk out? You know, Tolan could have gotten that, or you know, he would spill it on the couch by accident. It's like Jessica, I worked twelve hours. I said I went to bed shortly after. I, I know I messed up, I forgot. And I, I was, man, I was, I was bad about leaving stuff out. And uh, that's usually what sparked the argument. Okay. But she would wake me up in, like, in the middle of the, in my sleeping period, especially on nights, and when I, or when I was on night shift, and, you know, yell at me, or, you know, she would wait till I walk in the door, and uh, she, she would throw things at a few times, but it wasn't anything ever at me or at the children. It was always like a fort, you know, throw it in the sink or something. DeMarco asks about Jessica's reaction to getting a divorce, if she agreed. She wanted to know why, and I told her that, you know, with all the yelling going on and with her cussing at the kids, said, you know, I love you, I'm still in love with you, but doing, you know, being in law enforcement, I've worked my whole life to be where I'm at. I skipped out on school parties, everything. I said, Jessica, I, don't, I love you and I'm in love with you, but I, don't, I can't risk my job. I said, I can, I can assure you that I always will. The kids will always be provided for no matter what happens. But I just, I'm not happy anymore. And I can't, I can't keep doing this. But then the GBI agent shifts the attention to Matthew. Did you have, um, since you, things weren't working out with your wife, did you have a girlfriend or anything? Or I had a, I had a friend that was a girl, mm. or is a girl. Um, and I believe she had the same thing. Um, Jess- yeah. Jessica, that she had a... But I, I, I don't have any proof of that. You just assume that, yeah, or just assume. what would what would lead you to believe that she had something on the side? Because she's always been real prone to having male friends uh, all through high school. Mm-hmm. I went with one; she was actually in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the incident where she uh, cheated on me and said that that was the guy's baby. Right. So you know, I'd always, I never, it, I didn't trust her, but I would never go home and just ride by and just see, you know, who's at the house. You know, I just kind of looked at it like, well. You know, if it happens, it happens, I guess, because it's already happened once. Your girlfriend, I mean, was it a intimate relationship? It was something since you weren't happy at home where you just, you know... Well, it, it started out um, when I was talking to her. You know, I, I very rarely tell people what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I told her, you know, it's like, look, you know, where me and her are having a hard time, and she would listen. You know, and I wanted a female's point of view on it because the, the few guys that I've told, you know, they're, they're only going to know so much about what I should do. So, you know, with a female, I felt like I could talk to her about it and everything. Was there anything sexual between you guys? And like yeah, I said, yeah. if there was, then that's, you know, that's, that's, that's your yeah, business. Recently, yeah. Okay. So that's been going on for how long? Just a very short period of time. Okay. A month? No, two... not, not even that long. Oh, okay. But so just really recent? Yeah, really recent, like maybe a couple weeks. Okay. And that's, that's been as, uh, you know, along with me and Jessica not getting along either. Right. And when did you tell Jessica that you wanted a divorce? Did the relationship say, with Courtney and that kind of coincide around the same uh, time? All the problems were before. Right, but I mean, when you when you told Jessica, "Hey, I'm getting a divorce," and, and then eventually it was no, like she was shortly after I, I informed her. Okay, I got gotcha. you. From, from what I can remember. Okay. Then we're leading up to like today. Is there anything else between that's kind of significant before that? What led up today that you can remember? The past couple of weeks, we've been trying to discuss, you know, how we're going to get the kids and. Uh, you know, she had talked to her attorney. I had to cancel mine because I couldn't afford to do it this week. I'd wait till I got paid next week. To get an attorney? Yeah. Finally, DeMarco hones in on the past 24 hours. What Matthew did, where he was, where Jessica was, how she seemed. From what I can remember, she wasn't that bad off. It was actually better than what it usually was. Mm-hmm. You know, with her yelling or, you know, I hope you get a good attorney or, you know, something like that is what it usually was. But and, and you she- know, today we're actually talking about the kids, so we were fine. So she seemed, she seemed okay to you today. Um, yeah, I mean, she seemed better than what she you know, usually was as yeah. far as, you know, since we've been uh, in the argument with the divorce. But Matthew says he spent most of the day with his girlfriend, Courtney Calloway. It's where he'd been spending a lot of time lately. It's like I told her, I'll, I'll, I'll be at home at night, but I don't want to be home during the day mm-hmm. because we argue all day. And, you know, with it being an apartment, thin walls, and I'm a courtesy officer over there, so I don't want... You know, it's not going to look good if we start arguing. Mm-hmm. So I would, come, I would come home at night and just stay on during the day. Okay. I left a little after 8, I think, from there to come home. When he gets home that night, Matthew says he finds Jessica's mood has changed. You know, she was ill and agitated, you know, starting the usual questions in the argument. About what? What was she just talking about? Same thing between what the kids and what I was doing and stuff like that. Um... And then she had mentioned uh, needing to go to Walmart. As we know, Jessica and Matthew argued at Walmart. He called Griffin police to make a report on the altercation. Officer Adam Trammell came to the apartment, wrote a report, talked to Matthew, and never saw Jessica. Matthew eventually leaves to eat dinner with his friend Josh Guthrie. Then he gets that text from Jessica, comes back home, and runs into the apartment when he hears gunshots. You you go in, you pass the closet in the bathroom. You go into the master bedroom. Obviously, you don't see Tyler there. Then you go back. You realize the closet door is locked. Uh, yeah, I seen the door. Or you see it shut. So, so then you jiggle the lo- you jiggle yeah. the handle. You know it's locked. You call out to Jessica. You didn't hear anything. Um, then you went out to the kitchen, grabbed your radio, and cut it on. Cut it on. For the best of my knowledge, I believe at that point that's when I went outside, and I, I couldn't hardly talk on the radio. Is that what just? You went outside for what, better radio reception or just? To get out because I didn't know. I didn't know if she was 
But you yeah. didn't go maybe check. Did you ever go back in to check on the kids to find where Tolan was? I or? didn't know at what. I didn't know where she was at in the house. So you just said at, it's some, for, point, it's, at some point, Brian Jones told me not to go in because he was on. Was the that over the radio? Yes. I okay. So. Okay. So, so you never after you got on the radio and you were outside communicating on the radio, you never went back in to actually just check on the kids for your safety. You're thinking she could still be. I, I didn't, didn't know, know where I didn't she know was. If I was dealing with a possible active. Active scenario where she still had the gun mm-hmm. and she had shot Tyler, because you know with people you never know. Mm-hmm. You know I, I felt like I know her, but she still could have, and then I could have been the next target. And so then, you just you just waited out in the balcony until the first first responding yes. officers get there. The apartment directly across from mine, just like right here. I, mm-hmm. I sat as soon as I went outside and got on the radio. I went and sat right here, and that's when I while I was standing up I was crying, and it got worse when I sat down, and I. I couldn't hold it together. I was trying to hold it together so, you know, none of the neighbors would come out because I didn't want them to freak out and then, you know, her come out with the gun. Because at that point, she was unresponsive. The door was locked, and I didn't. I did not want to go in there with the possibility of her having the gun. I, I never would have thought that she would have grabbed my gun like that. There's been a few times I would put my duty belt in my car, depending on what I had to do. You know, when I got off, like take warrants or something like that, it just depends. But typically, I would. Uh, depending on what she wanted to do as far as cleaning or something like that, I would switch between having it in the hall closet when you first walk in on the right, or I would have it in the master bedroom. And I can't remember which way I had it this morning or today. As the interview winds down, DeMarco asks a few final questions. He asks about Matthew's clothes. The, the clothes you have on now was the clothes you were wearing tonight? Yes, I didn't have time, you know, with everything going on. I didn't think anything about getting any other clothes, so I didn't know if y'all would want these or not. I, don't have, I didn't bring any other ones with me. The interview ends, but in other rooms at the Griffin Police Station, more interviews are taking place. One by one, officers on the scene at the Boynton apartment earlier that night are brought in. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At 4.20 a.m., Special Agent Danielle Stewart sits down with Matthew Boynton's friend and fellow officer, Josh Guthrie. He walks Stewart through the night when Matthew called him to meet at his apartment. His wife, he said, was having you know, suicidal thoughts or whatever. He's like, I've already called EMS. He's like, they're already on the way over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like for you to ride over here so somebody's here. You know, they, they've, they've been going through you know, a rough time or whatever. Okay. Um, I think about splitting up and things like that. Okay. You know, and he told me, he's like, I just want somebody to be over there, you know, mm-hmm. in case anything happens. You know, I have you know, a witness, you know, I get a report or whatever. And uh, as soon as he said that, you know, I told myself, okay, I'm on the way. Okay. So I hung up. As perhaps Matthew's closest confidant at work, he also shares what he knows about Matthew's marriage, what he's told him. He just said that, you know, there's, I don't know exactly all that had gone. You know, right. He just said that, you know, she's physical with him sometimes. She gets upset. I know he says he, he comes home and it's like he, they don't do anything right. You mm-hmm. know, he'll, he can come home from having a great day at work. And he says, why it works so much overtime. You know, he's like, I'll, I'll come home and mm-hmm. whatever went wrong with Alice, you know, she'll blame on him, you know, the, I don't even know of an example that he'd give you. Right. You know, the clothes wasn't washed, or this is broken, it's your fault, or whatever. And uh, he's like, man, I'm just, I'm not happy anymore. He's like, no, I need to, I need to try to get out of this right here, get out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he always, he always talked good about her. He never really talked bad about her as okay. far as, you know, downgrading her negative. He just said he wasn't happy in the relationship. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, I'm not going to encourage you either way because you got to make that decision. Right. You know, I did tell him multiple times. I was like, you know, if you're not happy, it's probably not going to get any better. It's going to lead to worse things. I was like, so, I mean, but you got to make that call. So he's like, yeah, man, I think that's what I'm going to do, try to try to get out of it. And, you know, so that's, that's about the extent of what, he, what he's told me or whatever, as far as what their relationship's going through. But I know he did tell me so, several times. He's like, man, he's like, yeah, she was, you know, beat on me and stuff. He's like, I, just, I can't, you know, take that anymore. So Right. Guthrie then brings up another recent incident at the apartment when this time Jessica was the one who called police. All I know is I know that she called, made a report. I don't know how long ago it was, a couple of days ago or something. They had to go out there and um, something about it. she tried to call him and he was gone. And uh, I think he said he was asleep or something. And uh, when he woke up, you know, it was a lot later he had planned on sleeping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she had done called and tried to report that he kidnapped her son or something because she couldn't get in touch with him. And they told him, you know, of course, y'all married. You know, you can't, not any binding documents for custody. You can't kidnap somebody, so. Right. Griffin police officer Robert Jones is called in for an interview just after 5 a.m. Jones was one of the first officers to respond to the scene that night. GBI Special Agent Daniel Stewart asks what Jones knows about Matthew's movements when he arrived home. Did he go inside the apartment? Uh, he, he did say that he did go in because we found his keys in his cell phone inside. Um, I had to ask him, I said, did you go inside? And um, he said he, his babies were crying, so he went inside. And um, he laid his keys on the counter. He couldn't remember where he put his phone at. Mm-hmm. But his phone, I believe, was next to the microwave in the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, he said he was, remember, I was trying to talk to him and try to get a little bit of information from him, and he was, like, hysterical, so I couldn't yeah. get much from him. But right. he did say, because I was asking him, I said, did you go inside? And he kept asking for his, his phone. And um, I said, where's it at? Where's that? He said, it's somewhere up there. 
He said, my keys and my phone are up there. Okay. And um, so I looked. I was thinking it was outside, but that's when I noticed his keys were on the counter and his phone was near the microwave. Okay. And I just left it there. I told nobody not to mess with it. Right. Jones is then asked about finding Jessica Boynton in the closet and what he discovered. I know when we went in, I guess that's the closet where he keeps all his stuff. Mm -hmm. His gun belt was hanging on the closet on the right side, along with his uniforms. Obviously, I can tell that it was his service weapon. It had a gun light on it, and his was missing from his holster. Mm -hmm. I remember when I um, cleared the weapon, there was 12 rounds in the magazine, and there was one in the chamber. I don't know if he kept one in the pipe or not. Right. Everybody carries it differently. Okay. So you said her head was between two pillows. So, like, you know, she's laying on her left side. There's one pillow. Yeah, I think there's like a, it was a black and white striped pillow. Mounting of her face was even touching the floor. Okay. But I, I do remember it was in between two items. And I know the one on the right, fate, where her face was, was a pillow. Okay. I did notice the bullet holes. Okay. There was one that was angled. Um, I guess she was facing the door, maybe. Mm -hmm. And the bullet was angled up this way. Okay. And then we noticed it again when we was brought her out. It came through the wall and back into the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And the other one was like maybe eight or nine inches up the wall, kind of in the middle of the wall, almost like straight shot. Mm -hmm. That would end up going through the living room and the baby's room. In coming days, as Jessica Boynton lies in a medically induced coma, Matthew Boynton is brought back in by investigators. Not to answer questions, but to sign forms, consent forms. But the conversation goes beyond just signing documents. And what, is it, what we're going to do is... Um, well, two things. One is, um, since you're still her, her husband and you have the legal authority, especially since she's in the she's in the position of not being able to give consent, but we're we're going to uh, draw some blood from her. Um, and what that is is we're going to be doing that to do touch DNA on the gun, and um, and why we're doing that is obviously one to corroborate everything that's, you know, we believe that's what happened. And that way it also, it also eliminates uh, the possibility of uh, her family saying, you know, you had something involved in this or whatever, you know, because I'm sure. That's what they're all assuming. Right. We still have your gun in, in custody right now. Y'all can, can have it. I just want my light back. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they'll try to give me that gun back. Yeah. Well, I know. I know eventually the chief would eventually like to get uh, his officer back as well as his, you know, service weapon back as well. So, so we're going to try to expedite this as you know as fast as possible. Uh, and when I mean expedite, you know, within the next few weeks to a month. A picture is emerging, one that Matthew Boynton is the first to paint. Then other officers describe officers who knew or heard about Matthew's marriage the repeated calls to police, the fighting, Jessica's affair years back, and then Matthew's new girlfriend. A marriage in trouble on the brink of divorce, now rocked by what appears to be self-inflicted violence. But another picture is starting to emerge, and it brings with it questions. 
Questions about what really happened in that closet. Questions about what really happened in the hours before police find Jessica Boynton. First, there's neighbors, two couples in two different apartment units, telling police about gunshots over an hour before Matthew Boynton says he returned home and heard gunshots. Matthew states he heard shots later, closer to 1 a.m., as he ran toward the apartment. But none of the neighbors report hearing shots then. There's also the shooting itself. Two shots fired in the closet, one of them at a downward angle to the top of Jessica's head. To be blunt, it's not a common method of committing suicide. There's the fact that Jessica Boynton didn't like guns. She didn't have any experience with guns and, from what we know, never fired one. And then there's Jessica's frame of mind. Clearly, the demise of her marriage was weighing on her. Matthew tells investigators she was crying and upset. She shut the door on his face that night. But was she at the point of no return, where she'd end her own life, leave her kids without a mother? But with Jessica Boynton lying in a medically induced coma, answers to a growing list of questions are elusive. Until... My name is Jessica Lester, and when I woke up from a coma, I was really confused. I didn't know why I was in a hospital. People were telling me that I was in an accident, and by that, I didn't know what they meant. Like, what kind of accident? Next time on The Officer's Wife. You don't remember what happened in Walmart? You don't remember any conversations you had with Matt or anything like that? Okay, do you remember coming home at all? No. Because at Walmart, he was wearing a gray sweatshirt, and on the porch, he's wearing a red, and he says, oh, I didn't change. You clearly changed. A lot of people caught on to that one. Deep down, I know exactly what happened, and that is for sure that I didn't do it, and I think that's all I need to know. The Officer's Wife is a Vault Studios production in collaboration with WXIA 11 Alive in Atlanta. The Vault Studios team includes executive producers Will Johnson and Adam Ostro and investigative journalist Jessica Knoll. Audio production by Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland. Visit our website at vaultstudios.com to learn more about our podcasts, including Bardstown and our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles. And you can find us on Facebook at Inside the Crime Vault if you'd like to talk about this case and learn about other stories we're covering. If you or someone you know is in crisis, there are options available to help you cope. You can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at any time to speak with someone and get support. For confidential support available 24-7 for everyone in the United States, call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. 
Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University Maryland's forensic science programs today.